0: And Welcome to a new episode of Old Spook Lane Creepy Chats, where we're dedicating an entire month to covering creepy topics on Creepy Chats. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to Tim Burton Month, uh, but um, this time around, we're going to be closing things off with a bonus podcast, and I have with me uh, these three lovely guests who are covering alongside with me Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island in honor of his 25th anniversary. So why don't you guys introduce yourselves?
1: Hi, um, I'm Nikki Blake. I run ScoobyAddicts.com, ScoobyMuseum.com, and I host the Scooby Panel podcast.
2: Hi, I'm Alexa Lawler, and I host the Unmasked History of Scooby-Doo podcast.
3: Hey guys, I'm Cameron Bates, and I run Scooby-Doo and Cameron too.
0: All right, well, I want to thank you guys so much for coming on by and for us to be talking about what is for a lot of people the quintessential Scooby-Doo movie. For a lot of people who grew up with this back in the late 90s, they call they claim this to be like the definitive Scooby-Doo movie. Something that was like vastly different than all the other Scooby specials and films that came out before then and the ones that tried to set the standard of what a Scooby-Doo movie should be. And yeah, it's been a long time since I've actually seen this movie i think several years ago i did cover scooby-doo in a separate podcast and then i talked about scooby the 2020 theatrical movie uh eventually you know well technically not theatrically because then you know COVID struck but i did see it on hbo max but um yeah uh since then uh, a lot of people still praise this movie as like the definitive scooby-doo movie but right before we go into that i want to know from you guys a little bit about your history on scooby so so how did you first learn about uh, either from the show or one of the specials or the movies? So I want to know your Scooby history.
1: So for me, Nikki, I have been watching Scooby-Doo since I was a kid and wasn't born when Scooby started, although that would have been really cool. Uh, but I did watch episodes of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? And I just totally fell in love with Scooby. And it's just been a problem ever since. <laughs> That's a good problem, though. <laughs>
3: Um, for me, I uh, kind of like what Nikki said, I when I was first born, um, I, when I was little, my mom actually gave me that little Warner Brothers stuffed uh, plush Scooby that said it's a boy when I was first born. And when I was little, I used to watch Scooby-Doo on ABC every Saturday morning, um, and I just loved it. I, I got all the stuff for my birthday and just started collecting it, and it was just, I, I feel like Scooby-Doo was kind of a part of my life. And now that I'm writing Scooby-Doo and Cameron 2, I, I love it because I now I get to you know, on my free time, I get to post about Scooby-Doo and post the history and all this fun stuff. So it's, it's, he's, like I said, he's been a, he's been an essential part of, of my life and, and I'm, I'm happy to share the love for him.
2: Scooby-Doo has been a huge part of my life as well. Um, it started off for me, my brother had a VHS tape and a plush from a fair. Um, and from there, I just kind of fell in love with it and started collecting and yeah, here we are today.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And I I guess I could briefly discuss about my history of Scooby-Doo for uh, those who are new to the podcast, and it's been several years since I've covered my history of it. But yeah, when I was a kid, they re-ran old Scooby-Doo series on Cartoon Network, such as Scooby-Doo, Where Are You?, The Scooby-Doo Show, Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo. I remember watching Mr. Spim's Cartoon Theater, and they showed a lot of the old Hanna-Barbera Scooby-Doo movies from the Superstars 10, like um, there was... Uh, Scooby-Doo in the Ghoul School, Scooby-Doo and the Boo Brothers and uh, The Reluctant Werewolf. So I remember seeing those. And I think, like, my first Scooby-Doo incarnation that I remember when it was out that was, like, fairly new, even though that I kind of, like, caught it, like, toward the end, was A Pup Named Scooby-Doo. And I remember when uh, Scooby-Doo was, like, still vastly popular towards a lot of airings on Cartoon Network. Uh, I even mentioned this on the Cartoon Network podcast I did, where, you know, essentially... Cartoon Network was basically a channel where they had 24 hours a day, seven days a week on cartoons, but it was a lot of stuff from Hanna-Barbera. It was a lot of stuff from uh, various other um, production companies because Ted Turner had purchased the rights to it. And so we got to see a lot of stuff from that library. And then eventually when I heard about uh, Scooby-Doo and Zombieland, I think it was like for um, a commercial that I saw either on TV or on a VHS tape where they were saying about like, this time the monsters are real. And it made it like seem, oh, wow, this is actually really interesting. I want to be you know, like totally invested on what the story is going to be about. And so I picked up the VHS tape and I gravitated to it just absolutely immediately. And since then, I followed the Scooby films for a little bit until I kind of stopped when it just became like overwhelming. I I was just like saying, Oh, wow, there's just so much of it. I can't even catch up with it. But no, I mean, Zombie Island is one that I still think is definitely a great contender for possibly like the best Scooby film, even though that there have been some others that are pretty decent as well. But how about your guys' history on Zombie Island? How did you first learn about it?
1: Uh, So I remember seeing the the promos for it. And of course, when it came out, I got it and it's, I, I love the movie. I think it's great. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it it ranks pretty high up there.
0: Now it makes me wonder about what is your favorite out of the lineup.
1: <laughs> do you want me to answer that? Sure. Why not? Um, I do like Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. Better oh, okay. Than Zombie Island.
0: That uh, Witch's Ghost is also a really good one too.
1: Uh, for me, I was actually
2: just one when uh, the Zombie Island came out, so I grew up watching it pretty much as soon as it was out, but it was one of the ones that was always a little bit too scary for me, but I would uh, still watch it and power through, but I never really gravitated it to towards it a lot until I was older
3: when i was kind of like nikki when i was younger i saw a lot of promos for it um and i especially on cartoon network they played it a lot but um i remember my mom bringing home the vhs tape because she was always every time she'd go to work she would always come home with a scooby-doo vhs tape and that's how i was building my collection of vh uh, vhs's and i loved it and i at first my mom thought it was a little scary for me but i mean i knew it was scooby-doo so i mean it was it was so much fun and i loved it um Kind of like Nikki, it's not my absolute favorite. Uh, Scooby Doo and the Cyber Chases, but you know the thing is, I love those four films that they did. You know, Zombie Island, which is Ghost, Alien Invaders, and Cyber Chase, because I feel like those four films just were so real. You know what I mean? And the animation was just it was just beautiful on what they did.
0: Yeah, they they hate they each have a distinct. Um, uh, theme to them. Like oh, first of all, they're all four of them were animated by Mook Animation, which is this Japanese company that worked with Hanna Barbera throughout the um, course of the late nineties. They also animated for, I believe, the Real advent the the New Adventures of Johnny Quest as well. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, Glenn Leopold and Davis Doy were also. Um, The co-writers on all four of the films and I know Glenn Leopold was also a writer on SWAT cats as well and speaking of SWAT cats I'm sure that you guys already know this I'm sure you guys talked about it in your own podcast but essentially Scooby-Doo and Zombie Island was originally supposed to be an episode of SWAT cats the radical squadron that never came out But yeah, I remember hearing about that in a podcast. Uh, I think it came out like almost a year ago or two years ago where they actually had some people who worked on Zombie Island give like the detailed behind the scenes stories about the making of Zombie Island and how the uh, inspirations of not only SWAT cats, but also the fact that Scooby Doo was starting to become really popular around the 90s when they started re airing it again on Cartoon Network and it gained a, a new audience again. And so they decided to take a different approach on Scooby Doo because at that point in time, there wasn't really a lot of Scooby, like new Scooby Doo properties. Uh, Hub pub named Scooby Doo already ended. And then there was like this Scooby Doo TV movie that um, came out that was about Scooby and Shaggy, where they were essentially like the Uh, that you know they essentially like were the 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 taste testers of the sultan and they decided to go all shaharazan you know basically like telling stories so that they don't get killed off and that was pretty much it i mean other than like little sprinkles of cameos here and there scooby wasn't really that much on the mainstream as much and um yeah go check out that podcast uh, if you uh, are interested in learning the behind the scenes stuff but yeah let's go into the movie shall we so Uh, yeah, one of the things that I really did enjoy about the movie was it essentially was a, I would say personally for me, it it opens up like a great homage to the original Scooby-Doo Where Are You where even if you're not even familiar with the 1960s series it kind of like brings you in right away on who these characters are you know we have the you know Fred who's essentially like the leader we have uh, Daphne who's um, a little bit more assertive in this one definitely the most assertive out of all of the incarnations of Daphne and then you have Velma who's the smart one and then Shaggy and Scooby are the lovable but timid um, companions and they go around into different uh, lo- you know haunted locations solving mysteries and capturing bad guys who are are dressed up in disguises so that they can be able to either steal something or pull off a scheme and i think that the introduction does a really good job of essentially capturing the essence of you know the original series while at the same time bringing new audiences to those who probably have never even seen it before
3: yeah, I agree with you. I I I love the intro, too, because uh, Scooby-Doo and the, with the moat the monster chasing around the castle, I, I just thought that was really cool. Uh, Nikki has a panel, uh, Sco- the Scooby panel, and I remember one time speaking on there about um, how like Scooby-Doo on Zombie Islands kind of balances the dark and light, and so I felt like they did that very well. I know I sound like a broken record because Alexa, <laughs> Nikki, have heard me say that like a million times, but I think it's always true because... It's amazing how they took a Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo is always, you know, it's always had that scary, like dark atmosphere to it. But they also kind of made it into a, like a horror film, but yet where everybody could enjoy it. So I kudos to them. I, you know, I remember listening to Glenn Leopold um, on one of his uh, pod or one of his shows that he did. He did like a YouTube ser- series and I was listening to it. And I also I'm a good friend with Scott Ennis who voiced Scooby-Doo in the movie and they both have just talked about their experiences and how like that has been their favorite film because they have been, it, like Warner Brothers and Hanna-Barbera were like, just like, like just allowing them to go, you know what I mean? Like, like allowing Lynn and, and Scott be able to have freedom to be able to do what they want with the movie. So I think that was kind of pretty cool hearing their stories and their
0: takes on it. Hmm, absolutely. And I, I think that the creative freedom that they were able to get, it, it was, is a, is a commendable because Um, Like I said earlier, like, you know, Scooby was a property that hasn't been used in a very long time. So the fact that they were able to get the freedom to essentially do something completely different was actually really great. I mean, to be fair, the whole, you know, this time the monsters are real and they're confronting real monsters. I mean... You know, for I'm sure that there were a lot of pedantic fans out there saying, "Oh, but no, that th- technically they did approach real monsters." Um, you remember on um, you know, the Superstars Ten where they actually met up with real monsters and Boo Brothers, Ghoul School, and Reluctant Werewolf. Yeah, but again, those were played for more comedy and essentially um, not necessarily scary. So I think that for them to take a different direction in the approach of making. Uh, you know, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island a little bit more scary because they were allowed to do it. You know, I'm glad that they were able to take advantage of that.
1: I'm surprised that they were able to make it as scary as they did. I mean, some of the stuff that they showed was, it was kind of terrifying if you really think about it, you know, ripping the head off of a zombie and like, it's real. And just them being chased by all these zombies and I was surprised they were able to go in that direction but at the same time I think it worked really well and people it was received really well by people I mean everybody seems to love that movie for the most part
0: yeah I I, I do agree especially with the fact that um, people were able to just see how much it was able to take dramatic risks in order for the franchise to stay alive Now, I'm sure that, you know, if they would have went back to basics, I'm sure it would have been fine. But the fact that it did take that risk, it was able to showcase that it had a lot to offer than just, you know, playing it safe and just gravitating towards the, you know, what the fans were expecting it. Which, you know, creative risks is always a major hurdle, especially if it's a property that is around for several decades. People expect things to be the same or it's going to be jarring but then at the same time if you keep it the same it's going to get stale so you kind of have to have that balance and zombie island does have that balance because like you were saying earlier it's also humorous at the same time being scary. It plays off like a really great horror movie in which it start, it lets your guard down for just a little bit, getting back to basics, catching up with the gang after years of being separated and going off and doing their own things. And then when you get over to maybe like, the second act in which they finally go over to Moonscar Island, you start putting the pieces together like a mystery, like you would expect to see in the original series. And then toward the third act, that's when it starts building up and saying, oh yeah, this is where the scary part begins. So yeah, it's building up that momentum until eventually you start getting into the parts where you're just like unexpectedly scared. It's like, oh wow, they really went there.
1: It was nice too that they took it In a little bit more of an adult direction, without making it inappropriate.
0: Mm. (laughs) Yeah, it it inserts Kevin Smith scene from Jay and Silent (laughs) Bob's Adventure. Yeah, I, I know what you're going with because it, it's it's so easy to, you know, essentially take, you mm-hmm. know, characters that we've seen as kids or teenagers and then make them uh, grow up into adults and then everything becomes like really serious and dramatic. I, I wouldn't expect to see them essentially as young adults because... Even though that they don't look like it and even though they don't sound like it, they're essentially teenagers. They're essentially like, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old, even though that, um, you know, they were uh, the, the way that they were designed, you know, back then in the 60s. I mean, you, they were essentially teenagers. So, um, it, you know, the today's teenagers are a little bit more proportionately um more younger as it was you know compared to how it was in the 60s but in this incarnation they are a little bit older you know they have jobs they have responsibilities they split off and they went and did their own different things which is actually pretty commendable that's one of the things that i uh really enjoyed about um pepper ann in the, the you know spoiler alert for the last episode where eventually you know her and her friends who they spent together all the time after school or during school they went off and they lived off their separate lives and that's just how it is for real people you know and we would love to be with the friends that we been together with for so long but you know time goes on where we get jobs that cater to us and we have uh, busy schedules and we cannot dedicate ourselves to the people that we've got, grown accustomed to 24-7. That's I mean, unless, of course, if you have all that time in the world, it's not realistic. So I'm glad that they were able to take that approach. And not only for in the movie that they took that approach, but also in the series itself, because... I'm sure you guys can talk about this, but um, in the 80s, that was when they made the split of Velma, Daphne, and Fred and focused on Scooby, Shaggy, and Scrappy-Doo. So with the exception of a pup named Scooby-Doo, this was the first time in over a decade in which we actually got to see the gang together and i'm sure that that was like a great return to form for not only people who grew up with the original scooby doo and didn't like the you know the trio of scooby shaggy and scrappy but also in the context of the movie where it's been a long time since they've you know solved mysteries together is also a really nice reunion
3: for sure i agree and you know what kind of like you were saying about how um, it was so popular when it came out. And, and I think that's kind of what you were saying about how it was, it's been a while since we got the gang. And then it's like when these four adaptations of Scooby-Doo came around, it's like, people were so excited that Scooby-Doo in a sense was kind of making a comeback and people were getting more media. And then after that, then we you know, we started getting the live action movies and, you know, this what's new Scooby-Doo and, you know, the, you know, so on and so forth but yeah i think that's why those four were so popular because it was like okay scooby is coming back we're making these four films um they're they're fun the animation's great and you know the voice acting and the voice cast was just phenomenal
2: i think that um especially in not having some scooby media for quite a while it was nice uh to breathe some fresh air into the franchise and go in a little bit different of a route. Um, Obviously like some of my favorite shows are when the gang is all together. Um, So it was always nice to see that reunion in zombie Island, um, especially the fact that they're reuniting for Daphne's birthday and to go around uh, looking for real monsters together. But yeah, I don't know. Like it's such an interesting Kind of retrospective to look back at it now, um, because with all the rules and uh, regulations for children's animation, I don't think that you could necessarily get away with doing some of the same things now that they did back then with Zombie Island.
1: Yeah, I really liked especially how they did the reunion in the beginning, like they had parted ways and now they're coming back together. And it was kind of nice because it was like we didn't get Scooby for a while and now we're getting this reunion. And it was a great transition into the actual movie. The fact that they kicked Scrappy to the curb was great. (laughs) Okay, well, my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> okay well i guess um i guess my and my I guess
0: my question's been answered about are you team scrappy or you're like no put scrappy in the bleachers
1: <laughs> i am definitely not team scrappy that's okay neither am i
0: <laughs> but no i mean it was yeah you're right because um yeah it, it was nice to see them go back to basics because the fact that you know I mean, like well i'm sure that for a lot of these incarnations of scooby-doo i mean they're not like a continuations of them except for one but we'll get to that later but you know i mean they're all standalone like you can be able to watch any single one of these films and have kind of like a slight idea on what the premise is about but the each of the stories are completely different um and also you know we finally get to have the opportunity to see you know, the original gang as was was featured back in 1969 when the first incarnation of Scooby-Doo started. And so I'm glad that they were able to bring it back where they were able to not only, you know, bring back to basics what the fans have been wanting for for a long time, but also, you know, do a little interesting twist to it, which uh, I'm sure that a lot of people also give praises for. Yeah, I actually really was intrigued by the jobs that they were able to get um, shortly after they decided to split up. Um, and, you know, by the way, they actually did split up because they were, you know, they were growing up and they were off doing their own things. It wasn't like in the live action movie in which they split off because, you know, they had their disagreements and they decided to quit just For the sake of quitting. (laughs) But no, I I really do like the fact that Daphne has her own uh, TV series where she's going around and, um, you know, trying to go into haunted places to discover ghosts. And uh, also with Fred, who's the producer, we have Scooby and Shaggy who are working as... Um, you know, finding contraband in the airports and Velma, who's working at a bookstore. So, yeah, I would say that they do fit in alongside with their distinct personalities on them. Now, I know in various incarnations of Scooby-Doo, they went off and did a whole bunch of other different things. But in this one, it does make a lot of sense.
1: I do think the jobs that they gave them were perfect for them. And we see Scooby and Shaggy in a room full of food and you know exactly what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: Absolutely. And the fact that it's contraband food is just as funny looking at the official rules, according to the Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service from the USDA, where certain foods have to be restricted when coming in from another country to America because there are certain diseases or pests that can hide in the food and can cause a major epidemic, so the fact that they're just like eh, epidemic sh- epidemic, eh, I'm just going to eat the food because, you know, we're Scooby and Shaggy. We can just do the you know, do whatever. But <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, um, you know, having them, you know, working as, you know, inspectors of trying to prevent contraband food to the airport is just genius, spot on, hilarious. I thought it was
3: actually pretty cool how um how Daphne and Belma kind of took their own uh how, took their own leads. Like Belma had her Dinkley's mystery book store, you know. I thought that was pretty cool. Like she owned her own business in a sense. And then like Daphne, like you said, she did her own show. So to me, it was like it was kind of cool to see like the two women of Mystery Inc. kind of take lead and you know own a business and have their own show. Like I, I always thought that was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I also think that it's uh also a very good influence for kids that are growing up watching that. I can't say for sure whether it had any correlation or not, but I absolutely adored journalist Daphne, and I went on to get a journalism degree. That's awesome. Congratulations.
0: I'm also in journalism as well. Thank you. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, It's actually interesting because, you know, there's been, uh, out of all of the characters in the series, Daphne has had the most changes in each incarnation. Like, we remember Danger prone Daphne from the original 60s series, and then towards, I would say, the 80s, when they had, like, um, the Scooby-Doo and Scrappy Doo show, is when, you know, she became more assertive and more smarter ever since Velma left. And so, you know, she had to be the leader of the group, trying to make sure that Scooby, Shaggy, and Scrappy didn't go, you know, around and causing trouble or, you know, being scared off and being cowards like they normally would be. So, I take it that maybe they took a little bit of elements from her Her 80s incarnation and put it into Zombie Island, where she was a lot more assertive as opposed to just being, you know, clumsy and danger prone like she was in the 60s. Yeah, but I I really do enjoy the fact that. Um, You know, Fred had decided that, yeah, you know, I know that Daphne really misses her friend. So I'm just going to have, you know, the gang come by for a surprise and we're going to go around and travel across uh, America and see if we can be able to um, find some haunted locations. And so they go over to Louisiana and we, you know, have our first new character introduced. Um, whose name is Lena, who works as a chef at a mansion near Moonscar Island. And she's very sweet, and she's very inviting, and everybody is just really charmed with her, especially with Fred. And we get to meet up with other characters throughout the course of the movie. There's Jacques, who runs the ferry boat. There is Snake Bike Scruggs, who's trying to capture a giant cash fish named Big Mona. We have Bo the Gardener. We have uh, Simone Lenoir, who owns the mansion. And essentially, there is this whole mystery about that people have been disappearing on Moonscar Island. Yeah, th- that's what really intrigues them to actually go over to Moonscar Island.
3: Yeah, for sure. And, I, and like you said, the characters, the side characters, I thought were really um, very well put together, you know. And uh, and don't get me wrong, I always love, whenever I watch Scooby-Doo movie, I'm, I am mainly focus on the five, you know, Scooby, you know, Fred, Daphne, Shaggy, and Velma. But um, yeah, I just thought they put a lot of work into you know Jacques and you know Simone and Lena and, and you know the whole nine yards um, and just just such a such a a vast array of uh, different personalities from these characters I thought was really cool too.
2: So for me, I think that uh, Zombie Island really has some of the strongest side characters in my opinion. Um, they really do have their own like distinct personalities and each one has a pretty important role i would say between like lena and simone and eventually what happens at the end of the film um and uh also just Bo the gardener having um a bigger role as well and joining the gang and uh splitting off for clues with like velma and things like that um but yeah i i love them all and like each one um, has resonated with me at some point in my life um, just whether that might
1: be like I don't know I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree with what Alexa said the side characters were really important to the story and they didn't just add in side characters just to have them like they were important they all had their role they all had with their thing that they needed to do And yeah, I think they just really did a great job without overdoing it and just adding in filler characters.
0: Yeah, I do agree because in later, and I don't know about you, but in the later uh, Scooby-Doo movies that they've been doing, they have been adding like these characters that are essentially trying to be red herrings, but you kind of know they're just added in there and they probably, maybe, but you know that they're not, they don't have really much to do with the plot.
1: And, and I did see like kind of- how they played it off with Bo, like how Velmo's like, you are a suspect. And, you know, it, it was just like such a good dynamic between them.
0: Yeah, I do agree. I, I really do enjoy the dynamic because you know, the fact that Velma is like pointing out that Bo is the suspect and when you see the movie for the first time, you kind of do suspect that Bo is a little bit suspicious because you know, he's going around and digging a whole bunch of holes that are much deeper than what you would expect to plant flowers. He's always wandering around and he never seems to see the zombies whenever that uh, Scooby and Shaggy are bumping into him. So you kind of think that maybe he's the one responsible for all of this. But um, yeah, I would say that each of the side characters are distinctly unique and are very important to the story i mean is it you know is it beau is it um is it the the fisherman is it you know jacques who knows you know at this point in time when you're watching the movie you're trying to like put the pieces together like maybe these characters could be the reasoning behind why the the island is so haunted But no, it it really just, like I said, it lets your guard down for a little bit and you're, you know, trying to put the pieces together on what's going on. And, uh, you know, again, they're bringing in the humor in there because the whole island is surrounded by cats. That um, you know, Simone owns, and you know Scooby is constantly chasing after the cats and making a whole uh, ruckus towards uh, the entire garden, and even bumping into Simone a couple of times. So, yeah, you do have that classic, you know, Scooby humor that you would expect. And of course, you know, with Scooby and Shaggy trying the hot peppers of Louisiana that is there on the island, and of course, you know, seeing them being flustered with it is always pretty funny.
1: I will never understand people's fascination. With spicy food,
0: mm, I don't either. I I I'm not very good with spice. So whenever I try slightly anything spicy, like I, I I don't I don't see the appeal of it. I mean, I I try watching like a lot of like videos where people are just like um downing like a whole bunch of hot wings and it's like those people look like they're in pain. They don't look like they're enjoying themselves. So, right. you know, if people have a thrill in it very similar to how people want to, I don't know, like jump off a plane and go skydiving or, you know, ride the the biggest and tallest roller coaster or, you know, go deep diving or something like that. If that's, you know, their idea of a thrill, sure, but Yeah, I personally don't uh, see the thrill of it myself.
2: I like spicy food, but I don't know if I would try one of those hot peppers. It seems (laughs) a little extreme.
0: Yeah, it it does look a little extreme. I do agree. But uh, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts about any parts of the movie that you really did enjoy.
1: Definitely like the songs and the chase scenes. Oh, yeah. The songs were so much fun yeah
0: those songs are really really great the um, the fact that glenn leopold wrote those songs and then he got a band named sky cycle to perform them it's something that you would not expect for scooby-doo i mean scooby-doo didn't really do a lot of rock with i mean maybe with the exception of a pup named scooby-doo where it kind of has a little bit of rock and roll but kind of like maybe 1950s rock and roll but not like 90s rock so it was definitely something a little bit different for scooby-doo where usually their chase scenes will be like fitting into the time period where you know in the 1960s songs you did have like a lot of um you know pop music and then you know pup named scooby-doo had a lot of like 50s rock because you know it was like akin to like a lot of the um Um, It was trying to be like a kid version of Scooby-Doo. So I guess, you know, taking place around that time period, it would like try to reflect on it. But yeah, this is something that was different for Scooby-Doo. And surprisingly, it works. You know, it was able to not only capture, you know, the catchiness that you would expect to, you know, hear in good music, but also the lyrics fit well with what's going on in the scene of the movie. I always say this, that whenever that um, animated movies do music, they have to either do one of three things: they either have to progress the story, they have to um, build up characters, or they have to, um, you know, showcase on you know what's going to happen next throughout the course of the movie, or kind of like be the ones to tell us the story. So, uh, I've seen a lot of um, discussions on why the music is so good, and um, that's a lot of people's explanation as to why, and I do agree with it. I, I've seen also a lot of takes on why that um, it's kind of interesting because around the 90s, there were a lot of, you know, animated movies that were musicals where they were trying to capture the Disney um, you know uh, the Disney formula during the Renaissance period, where they were doing a lot of uh, music for their um movies, and I've seen a lot of um you know ripoffs of Disney movies that try to be that way, but failed at it spectacularly. But no, actually, surprisingly enough. A direct-to-video movie was able to capture it really, really well, where other theatrical movies, say like Quest for Camelot, which was also a Warner Brothers production, was able to do not so much of a great job. So it's it's very commendable what Glenn Leopold and SkyCycle were able to do.
2: Yeah, the music in Zombie Island is up there for me as some of my all-time favorite music in Scooby-Doo. Um, and they did go ahead to kind of use some of that... Uh, kind of rock kind of punk rock style in what's new scooby-doo as well with obviously simple plan doing that theme song and then they had some like mxpx songs uh in some episodes less than jake had a song in some epis in an episode so um i like to say that scooby-doo shaped
0: my music taste i like that I, i really do uh i would say that um You know, TV shows can shape your taste in music. I mean, some people say, oh, the radio or, you know, um, like, you know, teen magazines or something like that. Or maybe like movies, uh, you know, depending on which one. But, yeah, I would say that um, media like that um, is, I I would say, is great of, you know, introducing eclectic music that you would not ordinarily listen to. You hear the screeching of an owl You hear the wind begin to howl Yeah, so if there's any other, like, uh, highlights that you want to bring up, um, please share it.
1: There's a couple of, like, cute and funny moments that I just wanted to bring up. Like, when Shaggy opened his suitcase and it was all green shirts and he said he was going to change his shirt for dinner. It was just funny. When Scooby cleaned Velma's glasses with his tail. That was so cute. I mean, granted, they did just hit her with a mirror and she fell down, but (laughs) it was still cute. And I thought it was funny that Fred ate so much. I mean, we normally only see uh, Scooby and Shaggy eating, but like Fred was the one in this that was really into food.
0: Yeah, that, that was really interesting. I mean, I guess maybe because, you know, Lena was the chef of, you know, Moonscar Island that... Um, In a way, like, you know, he really enjoyed her cooking. And even Daphne made a joke about it. it's like, oh, it looks like your girlfriend, um, you know, uh, it looks like Shaggy and Scooby really enjoyed your girlfriend's cooking. So yeah, there's there's definitely a run in joke about that fred's uh portrayal in zombie island is a little bit different because remember daphne is the one who's kind of like leading this whole thing usually fred would be the leader of the group and so i guess they were trying to see okay if fred is not going to be the leader of solving the mystery and daphne's the one who's like leading everybody to the locations and she's the one responsible for uh choosing which places to go to and she's the one who's essentially the one responsible for why they're even traveling in the first place so i had i guess they had to give fred um a, a new role in the series uh, in this movie so i guess you know a little bit of him with a mixture of um a little bit of shaggy and scooby with him eating all of uh, lena's cooking I, I think that that was a really interesting take because um usually fred would not portray as a character like that
1: I also like the voodoo dolls and honestly would love to see them make a set of Scooby-Doo voodoo dolls.
0: Hmm, interesting. Yeah, the voodoo dolls was actually a really nice touch because we got that earlier in the film when Velma was levitating for the very first time. And you get to see what kind of pieces of clothing or even with Daphne's hair they were able to take, you know, with Fred using the orange ascot from, you know, the 60s version. And then we had um, Velma's cleaning cloth and then Daphne's hair where she was using it to comb her hair before filming and then we had um you know a part of beau's shirt so, yeah, they were able to use little pieces of their clothing, which um, is really clever because, you know, they were able to hint it l- earlier throughout the the film on what they were using so that they can be able to control them. And I also thought it was really funny that Lena and Simone didn't even bother making, you know, um, wax figures of Scooby and Shaggy because they felt that, okay, you know, these guys are so dense and simple that they're going to be captured regardless anyway. So, yeah, I-, I thought that that was great, even though that that was... Uh, a major oversight.
1: Shaggy and like, Scooby are always underestimated.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And I like how Nikki brought up about the the voodoo dolls because um, it kind of pays homage to like the the Scooby Doo where are you know which witch is which episode where they you know the witch actually had the voodoo dolls of the gang um, in her and her little uh, coven that she had. So I thought that was pretty cool. You know, when Shaggy says, you know, I've been voodooed. So I thought that was like Nikki said, it was cool to see those because I like you were saying, Patricia, you know, they did pay a lot of homage to the where are you, you know, with the theme song in the beginning and just little things you pick up, pick up here and there. So I thought that was pretty cool to see.
0: Yeah, I I do agree. Yeah, you know, one of the things that they did pick up was um some of the voice casts where you know they brought back Frank Welker as Fred. And I even read somewhere that they almost didn't cast him because they felt that his age this voice have aged. But then they were listening to an old recording of scooby Doo, Where Are You? And they were like, Oh yeah, you see, it's not as youthful as it used to be. And then Frank was like, Yeah, they actually sped it up. And then they were listening to his original voice not sped up and it's like oh wow he literally sounds exactly the same so they recast him again and um i remember also reading another article saying about that heather north who was daphne in the original scooby-doo where are you was cast as daphne in the in zombie island but then she was recast by um mary Kay bergman at literally the last minute i'm actually really curious as to what happened there and um and then we have um B J Ward who plays as Velma in this series and she did a she actually did play Velma in you know from a Scooby Doo episode of Johnny Bravo and then as you were mentioning before Scott Eins was playing as um what was it Shaggy or Scooby it was Scooby okay yeah he was playing as Scooby because Don Messick had passed away. And mm-hmm. then Billy West played as Shaggy. It's actually always funny to me that the reason why Casey Kasem didn't want to be Shaggy in Zombie Island was because Shaggy was eating meat. And, um, you know, we know how much of a strict vegan that Casey Kasem was. But I always point out, yeah, but Billy West is also a vegan and he wasn't offended by it. So it just makes you wonder. Is yeah, a really I-
1: get an interview that a uh, uh- The I think it was a vegan magazine did with Casey Kasem. And he goes into detail in there why he will not go against his beliefs in order to do any type of voiceover work or acting or anything. And it really puts into perspective why he chose to do that. And and to me, I felt like after reading that, it made a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, I I guess it does make a lot of sense. If you have a certain belief... And if you don't want to break it, then of course it's completely understandable. Another thing that I really did enjoy about Zombie Island was uh, the animation. Like, I really thought that the animation was really, really smooth and really colorful, especially since, you know, going in from Hanna-Barbera, where, you know, I know a lot of people have made their um critiques on Hanna-Barbera saying oh it's limited it looks cheap and all that kind of stuff so i'm 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 really glad that you were able to bring mook animation into animating Scooby on Zombie Island and then of course the three other movies such as um which is Ghost Alien Invaders and Cyber Chase, and yeah, I would say that they look really well. They look on model. The color scheme is also really nice. They were able to play around with the lighting, so I really do give a lot of uh, props for that too.
2: One of my favorite things to point out with these four movies is always uh, the backgrounds as well. They're always so gorgeous.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they they do. They they look. It, it does look really really nice. Which you know, background art is incredibly underrated like a lot of people always say when it comes to like animation it's like okay um how are the movements of the characters or um you know what's um, uh, another thing that they always talk about is like the foreground but yeah the background is something that not a lot of people really talk too much about and they should because background animation is also really really important
3: I felt like in the Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island and, and the other four, I feel like, or the other three, pardon me. Um, I felt like they kind of like Scooby was a little bit darker in a sense. Um, because when you saw like, for example, like on Scooby-Doo on, um, in the cyber chase, um, Scooby-Doo in the gang, they meet their alternate selves like in a video game. And you saw like Scooby-Doo from like the the cyber Scooby, he was a little bit lighter. So I always noticed Scooby-Doo in these movies, he was to me, he had like a little bit of a darker coat in a sense,
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, which I always thought was pretty cool um and and i loved how you know scooby-doo on zombie island in these four movies they had a little bit of a darker art to it i mean no wrong it was colorful it was vibrant which i love but it was a little bit of a darker art with nuclear animation like you were saying but the thing i think kind of what broke my heart is when they did scooby-doo return to zombie island um the, pr- the the sequel is um like they they went they didn't have any dark art in there in a sense like it was all to me it was all like light it was like everything like was so bright and vibrant which i wish they kind of would have like Again, I'm not a big fan of Scooby-Doo Return to Zombie Island at all, but um, I I wish they kind of would have made the art on that movie kind of a little bit darker to kind of like, you know, it's the sequel. So why would you kind of make it everything all bright like it was? So that I kind of saw the difference between those two.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I I would say that um, that's one of the many, many problems on Return to Zombie Island, unfortunately.
3: Yes, yes. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I and mean, the, the fact that they were able to re- retroactively cut off a lot of major parts that are, cu- you know, cu- that are, you know, basically like, it, you know, crucial to the story of Zombie Island saying like, oh, it wasn't like real zombies. It was this and that. And it's oh, swamp no. gas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Swamp gas. Like really, <laughs> really swamp yeah. gas. Oh, and also, you know, I wasn't a reporter. I was just an intern as a reporter. It's like, really? You're going to essentially take away, you know, Daphne's hard work, uh, you know, as her own independent woman and then just retroactively say, no, 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 I, I I, didn't do it. I was just interning for school. It's like, wow, way to basically just take a step backwards and all of that. Just wow. And the fact that they apparently didn't remember checking into Zombie Island in the beginning. I mean, yeah, I would say that Zombie Island is definitely one that is just genuinely disliked by a a lot of people. The fact that, you know, a great sequel is something that they were hoping for because, you know, zombie Island is, you know, one of the more popular Scooby movies and Hey, a sequel, like they don't do sequels very often to their movies. I mean, sure. We got like a, you know, the 13 ghosts, but that was a continuation on the TV series and it was one that was never completed. So that makes sense in context, but as a sequel to a movie, you would expect a lot better, but no, of of course not. It's actually more of a disappointment than anything.
3: I think it kind of broke my heart when they did Return to Zombie Island and The Curse of the 13th Ghost. Now, those two movies, they're not not—they're not my top five movies at all. But, I mean, there were some good things in there I did like um, from both Return to Zombie Island and The Curse of the 13th Ghost. I mean, just a couple things that I did like. But, you know, it broke my heart when they did The Curse of the 13th Ghost and Return to Zombie Island. It was like, oh, all the monsters were fake. And it was just like, well, why? I mean, you know, one of my favorite Scooby Doo series of the 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 Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo, and I always loved how the monsters were real and they had to get them back into the chest for each episode. Um, and same with Zombie Island, I loved how the zombies are real. And I'm a big werewolf person. I, like, I love the werewolf movies, so I know like the cat creatures were kind of like the werewolves in a sense, like they had it was like that that spooky like creep like creepy beast vibe they were giving off. Um, so that's another thing I did love about Zombie Island was the 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 villain animation. Like the way they made the villains, the way they were so creepy, the way they walked, the way they they ran. And I don't know, like everything about the villains um and and Zombie Island was just pure perfection. But again, it, like I said, it broke my heart when they made these sequels and it's like, nope, nope, the monsters weren't real. And I and I guess uh, to me, I think and they're trying to, you know, send a message to kids nowadays and parents, like, oh no, monsters are always fake, which I get it, like from the Sco- from the original Scooby Doo series and most Scooby Doo incarnations. Show usually they rip the mask off and you know they find out who the culprit is. But um, again, like I said, I the the series and the and the movie and I, I kind of like the the monsters are real. I kind of thought that was a, a fresh, like like Alexis said from the very beginning, it was kind of a fresh breath of air. You know what I mean? It was so, but again, like kind of broke my heart that they <laughs> they made them where they like, oh, the monsters aren't real. It's like really, you're really gonna derive from the story, okay?
0: Speaking of the villains, I guess, um you know, for those who don't know about this movie, spoilers, go watch it if you haven't. But yeah, it, it turns out that Simone and Lena were the villains of the movie and they're cat creatures and their story is genuinely heartbreaking and you kind of sympathize with them, which is, again, something you don't really see. in a villain on Scooby-Doo, because usually they're always the bad guys. It's like, oh, this person stole the diamond uh, necklace. Oh, this person was the one who stole all this money. This person wanted to scare people away so that they can be able to keep this thing for all themselves. And so, yeah, they were just like the villains. They're the bad guys. They went off to jail, the end. But no, they decided to actually give character into these villains, which was actually, again, very refreshing. Like, wow, we actually get to see the backstories on these villains, on why they were bad in the first place Um and It turned out that the pirates, uh, led by Morgan Moonscar, actually kicked them out of the island that they called home and drove most of their friends and their family into the bayou, and they were eaten by alligators, and so they wanted to get revenge. They were praying to their cat gods. They got turned into cat creatures, and they were cursed, and they have to, you know, in in order for them to stay alive, they have to, you know, suck the life out of the victims so that they can be able to stay immortal and yeah that stuff is absolutely horrendous and horrible but at the same time it's like yeah i can kind of see where you're coming from where you're trying to take revenge on these pirates who essentially ruined your life
1: oh the animation when they would turn into the zombies or turn into the cat creatures and then again later when they basically like dissolved the animation on that was amazing
2: also, I think the villain twist as well, um the one of the quotes that sticks in my brain among the many scooby-Doo quotes that uh, live in there is um when they reveal that the zombies are in fact the good guys, like they were the ones that were um unfortunately victim to the cat creatures and uh just the reveal of uh Lena and Simone as being um, in their cat form is one of, like, probably um, one of the iconic images from Scooby-Doo as well.
0: Yeah, so I would have to say that overall, I think that this movie is really, really great. Now, whether you count this as, like, your favorite Scooby-Doo movie or so, um, I'm sure that there are a lot of factors to it, but I would say that this is, like, around maybe, like, my top five or my top three depending on what mood I'm in it's definitely one that was very scary but at the same time very humorous it was able to take massive risks the characters are also really great and on point but at the same time given tweaks to make it a little bit more modernized music's great animation's great yeah I would say that um, overall if you're looking for a uh, a good spooky time then zombie island is definitely one to check out and also check out the three other animated films uh, from Mook and animation check out witches ghosts check out alien invaders and check out uh, cyber chase which i would love to have you guys uh, come on by in a future episode to talk about those three films yeah yeah,
1: i'd love to do that yeah so any final words for the movie right before we go i just want to mention that the film was dedicated to don Messick, which was pretty cool
0: yeah absolutely all right well i think that should be it for this episode so guys once again thank you so much for coming on by i really do appreciate it
1: yeah thanks so much for having us yeah, so why don't you guys uh, plug and promote your stuff? So I'm Nikki Blake, and you can find all of the links to all of my sites on ScoobyAddicts.com.
2: I'm Alexa Lawler, host of the Unmasked History of Scooby-Doo podcast, which you can find wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Um, you can also find me on social media, on Instagram at UnmaskedSDpodcast. Uh, and I also have a TikTok at UnmaskedSD.
3: You can find me on any social. I'm at Scooby and Cam on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, it's not Twitter anymore. It's X, which I don't understand, but X, uh, YouTube, TikTok. Um, and yeah, I'm also just like I said, stop on by, say hello. I love to talk Scooby and talk to you. Thank you.
0: All right. And as for me, you can check out my work. It's at oldschoollane.net. Um, My YouTube channel is youtube.com slash OldSchoolLane. I'm on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash OldSchoolLane. I'm on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at patty underscore B underscore Miranda. I'm also on Mastodon at Patricia Miranda. Uh, You can check out the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Overcast, Amazon Music, multiple places. New episodes of the podcast will go there first, and then they'll go up in a few days on YouTube. So yeah, that is it for Old Spook Lane. Thank you so much for tuning in everyone i hope that you enjoyed tim burton month as well as this bonus podcast talking about scooby-doo on zombie island we'll be back to our regular scheduled program on casual chats to round out the year and we also have some other cool stuff coming so thank you so much for listening everyone uh let us know in the comments below about your thoughts and memories of zombie island um what was your favorite moment what was your least favorite moment is it your favorite amongst the scooby-doo films if so let us know why if not let us know why And um, let us know about uh, Return of Zombie Island, whether you thought it was a massive disappointment or maybe you actually enjoyed it. And uh, also let us know um, if you are followers on any of the guest podcasts. Let us know about um, your favorite podcast that they've ever done. That's it. Hope to see you around soon and take care.